We're going to take kind of a poll right now, okay? How many of you have had people break promises to you? Go ahead, raise your hand if anybody's ever broken a promise to you. Okay, that's pretty much most of us. And sometimes it's not really a big deal when people break certain promises because they're just not that important. But other times when people break promises to you, it's absolutely life-altering. It can be a really difficult thing. But in fairness, I guess we should ask, how many of you have broken a promise to someone else? Go ahead, raise your hand. Interesting, some of, uh, there seems to be more people willing to admit that they've done that. Yeah, me too. See, promises are funny things. They're easy to make, and they're often easier to break. Sometimes keeping promises really is hard. And maybe that's part of the reason why so many people break them. And of course, there are uh, lots of reasons why people break promises. It was Machiavelli um, who wrote, the promise given was a necessity of the past. The word broken is a necessity of the present. And perhaps they gave their promise to get something that they wanted, but now that they have it, they no longer feel the need to honor the promise. Or perhaps when they gave the promise, they really intended on keeping it and honoring it. But now that their situation has changed and they realize that keeping the promise will be detrimental to them and breaking the promise will be advantageous to them. And so what do they do? They break their promise. And regardless of the reason why people break promises, it's undeniable that promises frequently get broken. We've all had it happen to us, and we've all done it a time or two or more ourselves. And we know firsthand that sometimes it's hard to keep promises, and sometimes people don't keep promises. That's why when someone does keep his promise, especially one that really costs him something, we tend to sit up and take notice. In his book, Up From Slavery, Booker T. Washington tells of meeting an ex-slave from Virginia who exemplified the kind of sacrifice that is sometimes involved in keeping promises. This man had entered into a contract with his master whereby he would be allowed to purchase his freedom over a period of years by paying a certain amount to his master yearly. And during the years of the contract, his master released him from service on the plantation so he would be able to uh, work wherever he could earn the most money. And so the slave went north to Ohio because the wages were better there. But each year, he would return to the master's plantation in Virginia to present that year's payment. After a few years, the Civil War began. And President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, which ended slavery and brought freedom to all slaves, including this man. But he still owed his master $300. Now think about that for a minute. The slave was free. He used to be a slave, but now he's free. He didn't have to pay his former master that final $300 to purchase his freedom because he had been made free by the Emancipation Proclamation but he had made a promise. 
He had made a promise, and he was a man of his word, so he walked from Ohio back to Virginia and presented his former master with the entire amount that he had promised him. Now, we hear stories like that about someone going to great lengths to keep his promise, someone going to great lengths to keep a promise that he really didn't have to keep, and we kind of go, wow, because such a commitment to promise-keeping is a really rare thing in our world today. It seems that broken promises are simply a normal part of our lives today. And that's why this verse jumped out at me a while back while I was doing my personal Bible reading. And uh, here's what it says. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Now, note the second word in that verse. This verse is the theme for our whole series, but notice the second word, all, all of the promises of God. Not some of them, not many of them, not most of them, but all of them have been fulfilled. And people may break promises to you, but God never breaks his promises. When he says he will do something, he does it. He always does it. But these verses don't just tell us that God always keeps his promises. It tells us something else. The passage says, not only does God keep his promises, he fulfills them through Jesus. He fulfills them through Jesus. All of God's promises are fulfilled through Jesus. And they're not fulfilled reluctantly. But as the verse says, they are fulfilled with a resounding yes. Jesus, it says yes to all of God's promises. And at the end of that verse says, because God kept his promises to us through Jesus, through Jesus we can now say yes or amen to God. And that's what this series is about. We're going to spend the next seven weekends looking at promises that God made in the Old Testament and then seeing how God keeps his promises and how he fulfills them through Jesus. And you can see in your bulletin the promises that we will be looking at. And I hope you'll be here each weekend. You can look at that list and see the promises that maybe are your favorite or the promises that maybe confuse you the most and be sure to be here for the whole series. But more than that, I encourage you to invite your family and your friends to come with you in a world of broken promises. It might be life-changing for them to get to know a god who always keeps his promises. And so, with that introduction to the series, let's jump into today's message. Recently, two different people in our church have told me that they have been watching the squirrels. And they think the squirrels are predicting a bad winter. Two different people have told me they're watching squirrels and they think squirrels are predicting a bad winter. Now, I'm a city boy. I grew up in Southern California in the Los Angeles area and so there weren't a lot of squirrels there. Somebody after the last service said that's because there's a lot of nuts there. And, uh, <laughs> but... Um, but That wasn't me. Anyway, there weren't a lot of squirrels there. Most of the squirrels there had been choked out by smog or, you know, killed by drive-bys. I don't know. 
And so there, we didn't watch the squirrels in Southern California. Also, a bad winter meant five days of rain and temperatures dipping into the 50s, you know, so we weren't, weren't real concerned about bad winters. But I was intrigued by this. We're watching squirrels to know what kind of winter it is going to be. And so I was telling someone the other day about the people watching the squirrels and saying the squirrels were predicting a bad winter. And I was told that, yeah, people have said that for the last few years and we haven't had much snow. And, you know, so, so I've learned several things. You can watch the squirrels and predict whether the winter is good or bad. The squirrels are going to predict that. And I've learned that squirrels are sometimes wrong. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Squirrels predict whether winter is going to be good or bad, and they're sometimes wrong. But now I was just told about some worm that can do it too. So I don't know. Anyway, we need to be careful when we make predictions because we might be wrong. And as someone who speaks God's word, I want to be especially careful about making predictions because the Bible had pretty strict standards about making predictions. In the Bible, someone speaking for God and making predictions had to be 100% accurate 100% of the time or they would be put to death. Someone making predictions who was mostly right, maybe 90% right, would be put to death. Only those who were 100% accurate, 100% of the time, were truly speaking for God. And so predicting the future has always been kind of a dangerous thing. Any person who presumes to tell people what's going to happen in the future ran the risk of angering God. But today, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to predict your future. I'm going to predict your future, and I'm convinced that what I'll tell you is 100% accurate. And I'm convinced it's 100% accurate because I'm only going to repeat what God has already said. Here's my prediction. I predict God will be with you today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. God will be with you today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of your life. And I can make that prediction with 100% accuracy because that's what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. It's one of my favorite promises from God. Here's what it says in the second half of verse five. God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Isn't that a great promise? God is always going to be with you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And you might be saying, well, pastor, wait a minute. You said you were going to look at an Old Testament promise and see how Jesus fulfilled them. Well, did you notice the quotation marks in Hebrews 13? It's quoting some other verses, some verses from the Old Testament. And it's really many different verses. One of the very first times that God promises to be with us was a promise he made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 28. He said this, I am with you and I will protect you everywhere you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. And then as Moses is turning over the leadership of God's people uh, 
to Joshua, Moses reminds them of God's promise again. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forget you. Don't be afraid and don't worry. And then a little later, God makes this promise to Joshua. He says this, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. No one will be able to stop you all of your life. I will not abandon you. I will never leave you. And not only does God make these promises to Old Testament leaders, not only does he tell Old Testament leaders that he will be with them, he makes that promise to you, to you. In other words, God fulfills this promise through Jesus with a resounding yes, with a resounding yes, God's promise, God has promised that he will be with us directly, that this promise that he will be with us is directly fulfilled through Jesus in an even bigger way. Even before he was born, God said that the birth of Jesus would fulfill his promise to always be with us. Look at what the angel told Joseph about the birth of Jesus in Matthew 1. All this happened to bring about what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be pregnant. She will have a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. The prophecy referred to is from Isaiah chapter 7, which shows it was always God's plan to keep his promise to be with us by sending Jesus to be Emmanuel. God with us. When Jesus was facing the cross, he wanted to let those closest to him know that he wasn't going to leave them alone. And so look at what he said in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth. The people of the world cannot accept him because they don't see him or know him, but you know him. He lives with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the part of God that according to scripture comes and lives inside of us when we cross the line of faith, when we make that commitment to trust Jesus for our salvation. And so that part of God comes and lives within us. And we could spend a whole lot of time talking about God's Holy Spirit. And maybe we will do a series on that, but he's always with us because he lives inside of us. And before leaving earth right after his resurrection, Jesus emphasized again that he was fulfilling the promise to be with us. Just before going back to heaven, he said, so go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have told you. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. So whether you're facing the best year of your life or potentially the worst year of your life, I can predict with confidence that God will be with you because over and over and over again, God promises to be with us. And Jesus has fulfilled that promise with a resounding yes. But what does it really mean when, it's, when God says that he will be with us. What does that really mean? I mean, in the time we have left, let me point out a few things that I think this promise means in our life. First, it means God is with me when I don't feel him there. 
God is with me when I don't feel him there. And I start with this one because I think that this promise can be misunderstood at times. People might think to themselves, cool, God is always going to be with me. God is never going to leave me. He's never going to abandon me. So what that means is I'm never going to have any problems or pain or hurt in my life. Because God's always going to be with me. God will protect me from that. Okay, let's do another poll and see if that one's true. Okay, how many of you, I want you to think about this. Since the day you crossed the line of faith and became a follower of Jesus, raise your hand if you have never, since the day that you became a follower of Jesus, you've never had any difficulties or frustrations or hurts of any kind. Okay, maybe you didn't understand. If you have never, ever in your entire life since you became a follower of Jesus had any pain or problems in your life, raise your hand. No hands. Okay. Well, here is the issue. The reason that none of us raise our hand on that is because the Bible never promises that. God never made that, pro- that promise. In fact, Jesus said that when we become followers of his, we're going to have trouble. Not only will we not be rescued from pain and problems, Jesus' promise is we're going to have trouble in this world. But we still tend to think that if God is with me, I won't have any problems, I won't have any pain. And when we do, we begin to wonder if God's really with me. King David was called a man after God's own heart. He was pretty close to God, and he wondered that. Look at what he wrote in uh, Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Now, if those words sound familiar... It's because Jesus echoed some of those words when he was dying on the cross. So David and Jesus felt abandoned by God and that God was silent in their times of suffering. Maybe you have felt that way too. Maybe you're feeling that way right now. Maybe you feel like You cry out to God and he just doesn't answer. Maybe you feel like God has abandoned you. And God understands when we cry out in frustration, wondering where he is. But if we just remember his promise, if we just wait, we will again see that he is with us. It's just one chapter later in Psalm 23 where David writes this. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you were close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. So why does God sometimes feel far away and other times feel so close? I think the reason is Because even though God created us and even though he created the world, he has allowed sin and Satan to have power here in this world. And Satan, make no mistake about it, is trying to steal you away from God. He's trying to convince you that God has left you. He's trying to convince you that God is far away, that God is not uh, close to you, that God has abandoned you. He wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe that 
God could never be with us when we can't even overcome those simple doubts in our mind. And the truth of the matter is, bad things will happen to God's people. They will. And in the midst of that, God will be with us just like he was with other people in the Bible during bad times. In Genesis, we read about a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was a great guy, uh, but he had lots of problems. His brothers hated him. And I mean, not just little. They beat him. They were planning to kill him. And instead, they sold him into slavery. Really nice guys. That is some sibling rivalry right there, isn't it? And then when he became a slave... Suddenly he's falsely accused and he's imprisoned for many years. But God never left him. God never left him. In fact, over and over again in the story of Joseph, we read God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God never left a man named Daniel when the king threw him into a den full of hungry lions because he followed what God wanted him to do. And the lions didn't attack him because God never left him. And he was with a godly man named Stephen when they were stoning him to death. And when he died, Stephen went to be with God forever. You see, This type of thing over and over and over again throughout Scripture. God's people facing difficulties, danger, and even death. But the underlying promise in all of those stories and in your story is this. I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. And that's what you need to hear today. God will be with you even when you don't feel him there. He will be with you in your times of doubt. He isn't offended by your doubt. He doesn't want you to pretend that you don't have questions. You can cry out to him and complain to him and you can get mad at him. That's fine because he will still be with you during all of those times. He isn't leaving. He isn't going to abandon you. God is with you even when you don't feel him there. Secondly, God is with me when I don't want him there. God is with me when I don't want him there. Being, uh, God being with me sometimes is not the most comfortable thing. I mean, look at what David wrote about God being with him later in his life. In uh, Psalm 139, we read this. Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises or go uh, to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. Your strong right hand will protect me. Suppose I wanted to hide from you and said, surely the darkness will hide me. The day will change tonight and cover me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. Are there times in your life when you really don't want God there? I mean, I've talked to people who haven't really said it quite that way, but it was the message that they gave. I mean, they've said, you know, I just need a break from church. Or if they're really bold, I've talked to a few people who have been bold enough to say, you know, I'm just taking a break from God. Taking a break from God. Usually what that means is they want to involve themselves in some behaviors that they know are not part of God's plan. They know that they're sinning, but they don't want to do the right thing. They want to keep doing what they're doing. And they know Jesus died for them, and they know Jesus loves them, and they still believe in him, and they even plan to come back to him someday. 
But for now, they just want to live their life differently than they know that Jesus would want them to. Sometimes this happens when people enter college. Sometimes it happens right after divorce. It can happen at other times in our life. We kind of play games with God. We kind of push him to the side while we do whatever we want to do. You know, there's some other people who don't want God there because they're mad at God. They're mad at him because he didn't stop some painful experience in their life and they just don't want him there. But the fact that God is always with us, the fact that he never leaves us or abandons us means that he is with us even when we don't want him there. Even when we don't want him there. Jesus is always with us. I remember a summer camp, a Christian summer camp when I was in high school, and they were teaching us about dating. That's really what they wanted to teach us about was dating. And one of the things they were doing as they taught us about dating is they were teaching us that Jesus is always with us. They emphasized that Jesus is always with us. And they wanted us to remember when we were on our dates that Jesus was right there with us. And this was their suggestion. I am not making this up. Their, their advice was when you're on your date, leave room for Jesus. That's what they said, leave room for Jesus. And their suggestion was that you take a Bible. And yes, it, it, they had a really big Bible like this. They probably searched the camp to find a really big Bible. And um, I searched the church building to find it. And their suggestion was that when you're on your date, you take your Bible and you put it on the seat between you and your date in the car or on the couch and you leave room for Jesus. That's when I started using the thin line Bible. (laughs) And if you get just the New Testament, you can get a really thin one, you know. Now, we joked a lot about that teaching because even in high school, we thought it was kind of ridiculous. But the fact is, Jesus is always with us. He's always there. And sometimes we don't want him to be. I mean, are there places that you go and things that you would do that it would be uncomfortable to realize that Jesus is along for the ride? that he's right there with you. Regardless, God keeps his promises and he promises he will never leave me and he will never abandon me. Lastly, this means God is with me when I most need him there. He is with me when I most need him there. When we really focus on the fact that God will always be with us in the good times and the bad times, this ought to be one of the most comforting promises in all of scripture he promises that we're never alone even when we feel lonely even if those that we thought that we could trust turn their backs on us and leave us and break all of their promises god won't he will be with us when we need him the most when are some of the times you need him are anybody here struggling financially Many of us are. Did you know that this promise relates directly to our struggles with money? Did you know that? Look at the rest of Hebrews 13, verse 5. We skipped the first part of it before, but let's look at it now. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you. 
I will never abandon you. If you're struggling financially, God says, you don't need to stress about that because God will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He's got you during those times. What are some of the other times that we most need? How about times of grief and emotional pain? Uh, When you've just lost someone that you love to death or when you just lost a job that you loved and really needed or when a friend has betrayed you and walked away, God is there. God is there when you need him most. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you in those times. How about times of change? We sometimes really hate change, don't we? Whether the change is a new baby in your house, and we have several families dealing with that right this minute, and, uh, or whether it is your baby leaving for college, whether it's a new job, we just don't like change. But God is with us during all of those sleepless nights sitting up with a baby and all those sleepless nights sitting up worrying about our older kids. And you know, as a church, we're in a time of change also. As a church, we're in a time of change. Those who used to attend our Beaver Valley campus are trying to adjust uh, to the changes as they plug in here at this campus. And that change can be uncomfortable and Impact has been on this property for about four decades, and we're getting ready to move to a different property. And I can promise you, it's not going to feel the same. It's just not. It's not going to feel the same. It will look different, and it will feel different, and new people will come, and our church will get bigger, and some of you will cross your arms, and you'll say, you know, it just doesn't feel like my church anymore. It just doesn't feel like my church anymore and it might not sometimes the changes god calls us to as a church are uncomfortable and we will all have to make adjustments but here's the one thing i can promise you god will be true to his promise he will not leave us when we move from this property god's going with us he's not staying here he's going with us in fact over and over and over again in this process we have seen that God's going before us that he's opening doors and preparing the way God is going with us even when our church feels different even when we experience some sadness at leaving this old familiar friend of a building God will not leave us he will not abandon us God is with our church when we need him most And whatever you have going on in your life right now, he's with you when you need him most. He will be with us whenever and wherever you go. He will never leave you. In fact, there's something really interesting in that Hebrews 13 passage. In Adam Clark's commentary on this verse in Hebrews 13, Clark notes that in the Greek there are no less than five negatives in the short sentence. Literally, it would say, no, I will not leave you. No, neither will I not utterly forsake you. Kind of confusing when you put it in that literal thing. And I realize in English, there are rules that say two negatives in a sentence turn the sentence into a positive statement. But in the Greek language, the more negatives there are in the sentence, the more emphatic the negative statement is. So God is really emphasizing this. It's like he is saying, I will never, 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 never leave you or abandon you. Or more accurately, you can write this down. He's saying, no, 
I will not leave you. No, I will not abandon you. It's never going to happen. Now, why is it important for us to know that? Well, it's important because some of you sometimes think that your sin means God has given up on you. You, you think God's with everybody else. He would never abandon everybody else. But you know about your sin. And you think your sin is so horrible, so bad, and it's secret after all. And you think God could never be with me because of this sin. The sin that I have must disgust him. And so it's important for you to know God meant what he said when he said, I will never leave you. I will not abandon you. And it's important for you to understand this because sometimes we think because we took a break from God, because we wandered away, that we left him so he must have left us. And so it's important for you to hear that God intends to keep his promise that he will never leave you and he will not abandon you. And we need to know that God will never, 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 never leave or abandon us because for some of you today, he just seems pretty far away. You've been praying and it feels like your prayers have bounced off the ceiling. You've been praying and it just seems like he's pretty far away. And if you are one of those people that I just described, we really would love to talk to you. Come see us. Come see anybody on our staff or come up here to the piano and talk to our first step team. They're here to pray with you and to talk with you. They'll be here after the service. Or maybe you don't want to do it that way. Maybe you just want to write on that white welcome card, I need to talk. And one of us will call you and spend some time talking to you about this. But whatever you do, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that God has abandoned you. Don't believe the lie that you're alone. Because God intends to keep his promise. Please know he always keeps his promises. And through Jesus, God fulfilled his promise. He said, I will never leave you. I will not abandon you. And Jesus fulfilled that promise with a resounding yes. Let's pray. Father, I can tell by some faces in this room that there's still some struggle with this concept that you will never leave us or abandon us. And so, Father, my prayer right now is that you would convince each person here that you would just give them a little nudge, that you would let them hear these words and know that you are speaking into their lives that you will never leave them, that you have not and you will not abandon them. Father, we thank you so much that you are with us even when we don't feel you there, that you are with us even when we don't want you there. Father, I pray for those that have been playing games with you and have kind of pushed you to the side. Father, would you help them to embrace your presence? And Father, thank you so much that you are there when we need you most. Father, thank you that you fulfilled that promise through Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. And Father, we pray that we might rest today in the comfort of knowing that you will never leave us, that you will never abandon us through Jesus. Amen.